Patrick? Dave, how we doing? I'm doing well. I was struggling there. I sent another text to you, so ignore that one. I Welcome usually don't. to episode 13 of Concepts from Less Than Qualified Fathers with Patrick and Dave. Glad to be back, Dave. It's been a while. Uh, it, it has been a while. It'll be good to be back on the wagon, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get off the wagon later in a different segment. But... <laughs> That's right. Uh, welcome to Concepts for Less Than Qualified Fathers, the podcast where we use our everyday experiences to make you feel better about your parenting skills. Uh, Dave, do you have a mad dad for us today? Oh, I'm mad, bro. <laughs> Hit us with it. Well, this will be a nice little segue into our first segment, too. But I was at Played Against Sports with my daughter, going to get some soccer gear. Daughter. Let's remember that. Daughter. Play it against sports, so let's remember that. That will matter for this story. And we're coming out of the store, going into our van, the new van, and this guy comes walking up really early in the morning. He's just walking, going to his car, I guess, older man. And he says to my ears, nice little man you got there. Oh. (laughs) Now, my daughter, Emery, has short hair despite her letting her hair down to Elsa's Frozen song, she yearns for this long hair. But she's been called a little fella and little boy basically her entire life. She's oblivious, but my wife and I simmer. So he said it as we're walking at, you know, in the parking lot. Nice little man you got there. I start simmering. I didn't even give him a time of day. Just a, just like looked at him and nodded. I get in the driver's seat. After putting Emery in, make sure I said that. Emery's in the van now. And I'm starting to drive away. I was like, you know what? I think he said, nice little van you got there. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, should I stop and get out and say, thanks, just bought it? Or the time has gone and I should just forgive him on Sunday in church and say sorry for getting just complimenting my vehicle. But what's interesting is, the entire life of Emery, she's been called a boy, probably 50-50. Um, so I got that on my side. But I, I forgive you, old gentleman from Winterville. I'm glad you got that off your chest, Dave. And to be clear, you're not 100% sure that he did not say Van, correct? That's true. That is very true. Um, so he could still require some anger from me. Because you could have been on the uh, Greenville Evening News for uh, assaulting an old man who made fun of your vehicle. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I just said it was a nice car. I don't know why I'm getting hit. The Odyssey is better. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's segue into our first segment, which has been requested ever since people have found out that I have been coaching my two-year-old, well, now three-year-old daughter's soccer team. So that'll be the segment I will discuss with Patrick. What type of man it takes. If I if I can cut you off before you get going here, this is. I mean, I know we haven't been doing this for too long, but this is going to be, I think, my favorite segment, just because from the aspect that you are, I cannot picture you as uh, being a coach, and I especially cannot picture you as being a soccer coach. And I triple cannot picture you of being a soccer coach of children. So this is this checks off all three boxes. This is going to be a fantastic segment. And that's the end of the segment. So. And we're done. Dad, cut. <laughs> yeah, those are a lot of boxes to check, and I think I filled them all. Um, let me just start with the dictionary um, definition of chaos. So that would be complete disorder and confusion. And let me just say, I once said that this is utter chaos to one of the refs. And she said, but it's organized chaos. And I wanted to be like, is it? Is it organized? Before, I had this little nervous reaction before I coached my first practice with these two to four-year-old age group. Now it's co-ed, boys, girls. And I had to research, like, what do you do? Like, how do you start practice? Like, these kids, can I can't even get Emery to, like, focus on the soccer ball half the time to pass it to me in the living room. So 
How am I going to get 10 kids to stand in line around cones? Honestly, Patrick, they blew me away with their... They, I don't know if it's because there's a new adult telling them what to do as opposed to their parents because they just were like kind of geared up, ready to listen. I mean, they weren't great at soccer, but they were certainly standing there when I told them to. Mind you, I have a gigantic beard now and six foot two. Kind of scary to these people, maybe. Uh, Emery does not see the scariness in me anymore. But when they're standing at their cones, they were listening, passing. Everything was going well. But I will say snack time was their favorite part of practice. (laughs) And that's an awkward. So I'm going to hit a few things in this segment. One, the coaching aspect of the two to four year olds. But the parents are a huge part of the coaching experience because you have to. They're expecting you to do everything. But I need help, especially with this age group. You need them to kind of direct or conduct the practice for their children. Um, Before I go on, Patrick. Do you have anything to add? I know your daughter has been playing. Yeah, I, I wanted to. So I can have a little bit of uh, experience knowing what you're talking about. Um, first things first, I want to say, if you're 6'2", I'm 6'8". Uh, <laughs> oh, so, yes, our daughter is doing uh, the soccer practice as well. And it's a 45-minute class um, once a week on Saturdays. And, you know, not the end of the world if it gets rained out. We kind of root for it sometimes. But so we'll go to the, the practice and uh, – they don't touch a soccer ball for most of the time. So it's kind of nice to hear that you uh, incorporate some soccer stuff because we'll have a 45 minute practice and they'll touch a, they'll touch a soccer ball for maybe 10 minutes of it. If that Dave. Um, but there's from the parent aspect, I know exactly what you're talking about because you walk over there and some kids are hanging on kids' legs. Other ones are, you know, chasing whatever, what have you. They're off not even paying attention to what's going on. Others are taking a water break or a snack break where they're not supposed to be. So when you said the parent uh, encompassed part of it, it totally makes sense. I know exactly what you're talking about. So what do you do with the other time? What are they doing in this class? I find it weird that it's called a class. They're just they're running around. We, they, they do, they, he incorporates a lot of, like, superhero stuff. So we do, like, uh, Batman, Spider-Man, or the Hulk, Hulk walks. He plays a lot of freeze tag, um, like, just stuff like that. We, he, he, we use, like, the little baby cones, you know, like the real tiny cones. Oh, I got those. Um, he'll use those as like a city, or you got to like steal them from his city and bring them back to the kid's city. So like everyone runs over and steals one. So it's a lot of running, not so much as anything to do with soccer. Wow. I'm the exact opposite. I was running drills. That's awesome. Yeah, they were listening. I mean, I, one of the parents actually came up to me and said, this is the most organized practice we've ever seen because they had been in the age group last year, I guess. They had a four-year-old. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yes, yes, this is my first time. I'm, I'm legitimately frightened of these parents the night before. I didn't know what I was getting into. They were all very good. Um, I will say when I was handing out jerseys, I was like, does that, I felt the urge to ask, does anyone want a certain number? And this mom who, if you looked at her, you'd be like, yep, she's pretty intense. She cares about what jersey numbers her two daughters wear. She's a team mom. She brings the bagels and the oranges. Yes, only if she signed up. We have a sign-in list. <laughs> and she was like, oh, can we have five and six for my daughters? Okay, as I take five away from the boy I just gave it to and <laughs> hand it to her. Uh, so, I mean, okay, so that's practice. Setting it up was fine. I had to actually like read articles like, what do you do with this age group? Because what you just explained with the superheroes and stuff, that would take more effort from me, I think. And no, I, if you saw it, no, it wouldn't. the soccer drills. No, it wouldn't if you saw it. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I hope it gets rained out again. Um, <laughs> for our sake. So games, let me just talk about the games. And I'm using air quotes for all you listeners out there. And by listeners, I mean Gus, my dog staring at me. So <laughs> games, the ref, if you can call her that, came over, put the ball down, and it's just... Let me just say the first moment, I had six kids show up from a 10-kid te- team. Three of those kids that made it were with their parents and crying at the start of the game. No one wanted to play goalie. The coaches can walk around the field, so I'm literally the only line of defense between me and the other team and my goal. While I'm like asking my team, please, hey, come on, let's, let's play defense. Come on. You know, we went over this. And- all of them, one, my daughter's staring at a plane and yelling, Daddy, Daddy, look, it's a plane. And I'm like, 
I got one kid holding my leg, like, thanks, coach. My mom said I was going to hang on to you all day. And I was like, what's happening? Someone just stopped these kids because immediately they scored two goals in, like, ten seconds. And I was like, okay, my kids can't even dribble the ball in the right direction. <laughs> kids are scoring on, at will. Oh, this is good. I can just vent to you, Patrick. Who cares if it's a podcast? Not for um, but, but you still got your job that you work for free, free with. You haven't been fired yet. No, no. They uh, they keep thanking me for whatever is happening out there. The, the hardest part for me with this age group was that the kids, one, they'll cry at anything. Like, if you, any type of contest towards a ball, like with another kid, our kids seem to always, like, go down and just start crying, and then their parents would have to come out and get them. Um, or just showing up. I swear, there's two kids. There was $50 for this league. So I didn't have a kid show up. He showed up for the first practice, and his mom keeps texting me back, like when I give times for games and stuff, but he never shows up. So, I mean, it's just sunk cost, I guess. I, I, I don't know. The hardest part is getting them to show up and then actually participate. I thought it would be harder just to get them to listen to me. It's probably your, your 6'2 frame with beard, Dave. For everyone out there, yeah, 6'2 with a beard. Probably a creative character on NBA 2K. <laughs> This second segment is very, a very unique topic that spurned off of a topic we have talked about already. We were talking about road trips with families, but this one is more of a drill down into the logistics of what it takes, the prep time, the scheduling of when you need to get somewhere. Patrick, take it away. Yeah, Dave, this is one of the finer, more experienced part of of parenting if you will this is this is a a ton of logistics goes into planning of a road trip so whenever we go to uh uh my wife's uh mother's beach house it's about a five and a half six hour trip usually takes us to traffic and there's so much that goes into it and it it, it starts at the beginning of what time do you want to leave and it's not what time do you want to leave? What time can we, you know, what, what time can we wake up kind of stuff? It's, it goes back. You kind of plan from the back. Okay. What time do we get? Will we get down to the beach house? What time will that give us for, for getting them dinner, for getting our kids down? Uh, where do their naps fall on over in the middle of this road trip? Um, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, if we, if you, if you're setting up a nine o'clock leave time by without fail, you will finally get on the road at about nine forty-five. Uh, so you get on the road about 45 minutes late. You work in that, that, that lost 45 minutes. The kids aren't going to fall asleep at the right time when they're supposed to. They're going to stay awake and, and cry or for whatever reason, one wakes the others up so that they're not asleep when they're supposed to sleep. Um, then you get into the situation of, okay, we're getting hungry or want some coffee. If the kid's about to fall asleep, that throws everything into a monkey wrench because you're not stopping. If both kids are sleeping, there's a 0% chance that you're going to stop to get anything until they're, they're both awake. If you hit traffic, that is probably the worst feeling in the world, hitting traffic with two kids in the car that are either in any scenario, if they're awake or if they're asleep. There's a, just, there's a ton that goes into planning um, for, for a road trip with the family. I know you got a, a new van now, so you might have a little bit different experience. Um, but um, I'm assuming you're going to back me up on this, that it's, it's really, really difficult. I am backing you up. Uh, we do not travel much, and the furthest we go is like an hour and a half to the beach from here with the kids, but we are planning an epic, <laughs> epic by our standards, trip to New Jersey for Christmas this year. So we're already doing that prep planning that you were talking about like what we've gone through this so much me and my wife have talked at length of every different scenario that would get us the most comfortably to new jersey with two kids um now you have more experience with the driving so you can kind of like play off when jp goes to sleep maybe when Catherine falls asleep or not like we're taking a chance emory does not sleep in cars well so honestly our only option is to leave probably after work, like 6 p.m. or later, and drive through the night, and hopefully she falls asleep in the darkness. That's what we're hoping. We think Harrison's just going to sleep because he's only one, and he's fine to have in the car. He is. Emery's the issue, we believe. If she's awake the whole eight-hour trip, that would become 
the worst trip ever. Right, and that's good for look doing it over the winter. So we put our daughter down between seven and seven thirty. We were putting her a little bit. Or she said she I said, I said that we get her in bed by seven. She usually falls asleep between between seven and seven thirty. And we, um, but there was something over the summer. Now over the, in the winter, you're going to be okay because it gets dark quicker. But something I don't think we took into consideration. So we, we have like the blackout shades in her her room. So when we put her down, turn the light off. It's you know pitch black in the room. Just our nightlight. But we went on our car trip over the summer. This is June, July, going to the beach. And we leave, um, I forget when we left. It was probably like 5, 5.30. We get on the road, get, you know, get dinner about an hour down the road. We're freaking, okay, we're in pretty good shape. Like, we can get her down. She's got a full belly. She'll go to sleep by 7.30. She's still got a sun, the sun beaming in her window at <laughs> 7.30 in the summer. And she was up. I think she might have fallen asleep about a half hour out from when we got to the beach. It was about nine nine thirty, and it. I mean, it, it threw her off the whole next day. And it's just something that you know we didn't take into consideration that the the sun was going to be blasting in our window at seven o'clock at night, and the you know the seven o'clock. Every factor matters. It's, it's, perspective, parents. Everything it's, matters. It's, you wouldn't even think that the sun in the window. The Coriolis effect, Dave. Oh. Look at these words we're dropping. Parents, listen. Prospective parents, listen to us. Just listen. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's almost it's any little thing. And then, it, you know, on, on the way back, the, our, our hands down, the worst trip that we had was, I think that was the same trip was the way back from the beach to here. And it was just neither one went down for their, the nap they were supposed to go on. Um, we stopped three or four times because it was when she first started potty training. And we told her, we tried to convince her that it was the, the one time it'd be okay to backtrack and go in a, her inner diaper um, because it was going to be like a five or six hour road trip. And she would not, which looking back on it, you're kind of like, oh, okay, like that's good for her that she didn't want to go in her diaper. But during it, it's, oh, you want to rip, rip your hair out because she was stopping four or five times. It's a Sunday, so everyone's traveling. There's traffic all over the place. Oh, it was miserable, miserable. We're stopping so much the baby wasn't sleeping. So it's just everyone's awake. Everyone's crying. We're trying to get home. Oh, it's, it's miserable. Everyone's crying, including parents. Mostly the parents. I get that, man. That I feel like it's a, some type of conditioning to create the perfect parent. You just have to go through these issues. Like what you just went through, I'm sitting here like shaking my head because I've had moments like that where the kids just, you know, Emery was potty training and she wouldn't go in the diaper either. I was like nodding, yes, okay, this is okay. Other people do this too, but she wouldn't go either. But she's letting you know every minute that okay, I have to go, but I'm not going to go. Right. And I will say the stopping is an issue. Um, but have you ever had a kid get sick in your car? No, not in the car. Man, I can't wait. That could be a segment. Yeah. So I, I want... wait, that has or hasn't happened. It's happened twice with Emery, oh. and it's like we were 10 minutes away from home, and she threw up all over, and it was just me. We had two cars. I'm not trying to take this on another tangent, but that's another factor to think about. Don't feed them all this milk and dairy, you know, right before you get in the car because of the motion sickness. That is not something you need to have as another added factor to your trip. Just something for others, maybe for you, Patrick, just to know, note that this is something else that matters. Yeah, notice. We went on a short road trip. Uh, well, the same road trip we're going every day. We, when I take her to school in the morning, Dave, and we have a, a Halloween house that's really like, they go all out. So she called it the Halloween house. And she likes to drive by it every single morning now. And one morning I missed the turn and told her we weren't going to see it. And, Oh. That was a long ride to school. That, that <laughs> We were not happy. <laughs> I'm not happy. I want to see the Halloween house. It's pretty good, actually. In her defense, it's really good. Patrick, this is a unique segment for us. This is going to feel really good to say publicly. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a recovering addict. And what I mean by that, and I've hesitated to say more so that people can really get close to their phones and listen to what I'm about to say. I'm a recovering addict when it comes to the NFL. Now, you know all about this through our friendship throughout the last probably four years. I've just bitched a lot 
and not just about the NFL, just bitching in general. But for this segment, let's talk about me bitching for the NFL. I gave up on the NFL, and I can say that this year I truly – well, I guess I'm 99% done because I still run the survivor pool, but that, I don't do fantasy football anymore. That was this year. I don't do it anymore. But why, why Dave? Why did you give up? I, I can all trace it back to the de- defensive holding penalty, Patrick. That new penalty they put in that was a five-yard penalty, automatic first down, makes me cringe at night. I remember losing sleep watching the Eagles, and they would be – the defense would have a third and 13, crowds going wild, quarterback drops back, he's under pressure, oh, he's going to get away, he throws it downfield, incomplete, Eagles off the field, we're going to win, flag. Five-yard penalty, defensive holding, automatic first down. I don't understand how people can watch this sport. That, it, that rips your heart out. How are you supposed to – and it's, it's like phantom calls. You can call it any time. Second reason I gave up, the Ray Rice cover-up. Ooh. That one hurt because I'm a Rutgers guy. And I'll admit, when you hear Ray Rice hit a woman, it probably didn't hit – well, pun – hit you as hard until you saw the video. Because I know it rocked my world. Just like nice. And man, it was so bad. The NFL, though, when you look at a company like that, that is so money-centric, fiscal, everything is money. Everything, everything. And I'll touch on that on my third point of why I gave up. But they didn't do anything when Ray Rice first came out. They gave him a two-game suspension, maybe. And then they waited for the public outcry, which seems to be what happens now. I think companies are getting better at this and understanding what the public will do. But that was number two, the Ray Rice cover-up. The third, and where this is really about money, I watched the documentary League of Denial. And that's a two-hour documentary that that movie was based off of uh, with Will Smith yelling about concussions. But that was a really eye-opening documentary where it just showed the company would hire it. NFL was hiring its own doctors to basically give false evidence about concussions so they can keep money in their pockets. I'm not trying to make this a serious segment, but this is the last one. I had to choose one sport. It's very hard for me to care more than about all these sports when I have two kids. There's only so much room in my heart, and that's where the Braves and baseball enter. So I had to give up on something and everything else. So basically, I'm just a baseball fan but, Patrick, let's get to the real issue here. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about your livelihood. It's about your family. Now, this is not geared to be an intervention, but I did notice on the past two podcasts you cited that the Ravens won. And that has never really come up in our conversations over the last couple of years. So I have some questions for you to see if you need to be like me and not be an addict anymore, Patrick. Are you ready for this? I have seven questions. Well, you're talking just, just cut it cold. Cut and cold, not giving up totally, because there is some fun associated with the NFL. It's just entertainment. But I can't believe in a company that did everything that I just rambled about. I want to get to the, the core of who you are and why you watch. All right, let's go. I'm ready. Seven questions. As a recovering addict myself, would you say that my constant shit-talking and or my friendship in general has had an impact on your addiction? And what are your reasons? Has that, has that an impact on my, my watching of the NFL? Yes. No. So you, you would say me bitching about it all the time didn't help, didn't like make you stop watching? No, not really. Um, no, I, I think a lot of people have various opinions of the NFL or, or any other leagues for that matter. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't say that your, your, your negativity brought, I actually enjoy kind of talking negative about it. Cause I think it really does have some serious, serious issues. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we'll, we'll go down that dirt road um, as, as, as these questions progress, but what you just said, dirt road. I know, I, I don't know why I said the dirt road, um, uh, that, that five yard, uh, Holding penalty is I, I agree with you. I think it's an absolute joke. Um, holding and holding in general is is very kind of up to each and you know each individual referee 
they're having questions now about what's, what's a completed catch. Um, they're having big issues on what's pass interference now, what constitutes pass interference. There's a new rule this year that you can't land on the quarterback. Um, so no, so would your negativity affect my watching? No, but I do understand that they have huge issues. I mean, you, the last thing you want to do is go to a sports stadium. And I think a lot of fans can understand if you lose, it's you don't want to walk out feeling you got cheated. And that's the issue I think the NFL is kind of facing right now that I think people are starting to leave stadiums saying, I don't know how we lost that game. I don't get how that wasn't a catch. I don't get why they threw that flag. And they feel like they got cheated out of a game as compared to just saying, hey, we lost today. That's good stuff. You can't land on the quarterback? It's, you can't put your body weight on the quarterback anymore, which makes total nonsense to me. You're going against a 300-pound guy who's faster than we are, Dave. You get a split second, millisecond to make a decision if you want to go what certain angle. The quarterback stepping up in the pocket, it's the only way you're going to get to him, and then they'll, they'll throw a flag because you let your body weight land on him. It's, it's, and it's a total – you know, it's like calling a, a strike or a ball in baseball. It's total up to the referee. You can't challenge it. It's – it's nonsense. It's, it's, but that's what happens when you got to put, you know, 32 owners up there making rules and implementing rules that have never played in the NFL. It's, it's, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't. And let me just tell you, it doesn't take much to be faster than I am right now. No. Question number two. With the beard. <laughs> I pontificate a lot, forcing my egocentric worldview on anyone who will listen. You know, like one of those Jesus freaks in the middle of a college campus. <laughs> Do you wish that I or people would just mind their own damn business about your watching of the NFL and stop telling you what to do? Absolutely not. Freedom of expression, say what you want. I love, uh, depending on my time of day, my mood, just how I'm feeling, I will 100% join you on one side if I'm feeling like joining in on a party or whatever, or totally bash the NFL if I want to get in that conversation. If you want to, you know, if, if I'm walking down the street and some guy is hyping up the NFL, you know, bottom line, Dave, they're probably the best athletes in the world. Um, so I have no problem taking part of that conversation. Some of the things they do, the, the, the work they put in round the clock, um, you know, I have no problem taking part of that conversation. Or, or if you go back to question one, I have no problem jumping on in on the bashing side and saying now their, their product is deteriorating. So absolutely not. Um. Have you seen the NHL? I think they have the best athletes. The NHL? Yes. All right. You take a hockey player and put them on a basketball court. Then we'll, then we'll talk about who has the best players. They're so fast on those skates. Okay. This is already a long segment. I won't. <laughs> NHL next segment. <laughs> have you been able to stop watching for a week or two, you know, stop reading about all the NFL, only to just make it a couple of days before you dive back in? Um, uh. I'm going to have trouble answering this question. I am totally uh, – I'm going to answer it this way, Dave. I'm totally numb to the NFL. If I totally miss a week, I don't care. If I get to sit down and watch it, I don't care. Um, it totally does not affect my mood anymore. When I, back when I was in college, you know, if the Ravens lost it – or won, I should say, it affected the rest of my day. I was super happy if they won. I was uh, not as pleasurable to be around if they lost. I was upset. It affected how, how I was. And now after – after kids and kind of, you know, pushing back from the NFL a little bit, relieving myself, understanding it's just a game. Um, you know, if, if, if just take it this, this past weekend, we, we literally, literally had nothing going on and I cut the grass on Sunday and I could have sat down and watched the Ravens play. So it's, it's, you know, if, if, if the family wants to go and do something, we're, we're going to go do it. I'm not going to set my Sundays around the NFL anymore. Um, so, but you know, if, if I'm around or if, if it's, you know, I'm still on Twitter and social media, so it's tough. It's tough not to see the scores, if that makes sense. Like I, whether it's accident or if I'm looking for it, I usually do end up knowing what's going on just from social media or watching on the TV. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really hit or miss. So I, I do end up seeing what's going on, who's been traded, who's good, who's had a good, you know, good week, but I'm really, really hit or miss if I watch that week or not, and I'm totally numbed if we, my team win or loses. That's good. I wonder, you know, as you're, as you're saying that, I, you know, I used to, Eagles really affected my life. Going through college, even high school, I was, like, addicted to the Eagles. <laughs> I would be so upset when they lost. Yeah. Uh, I don't get that way with the Braves so much, which I think is a healthier relationship to have with a team. 
uh, or as Jerry Seinfeld says, we're really just rooting for jerseys because the players all change. But I, I don't know. I, I find that football gets this like primal anger out of the watchers because it's just hitting so hard and like you know men killing each other on the battlefield. Right. Football really doesn't. Maybe it takes its time. It's a marathon of a game. So maybe that's the difference of them. What's that? There's also only 16 of them, so there are a lot less. Oh, yeah, a lot more. I, I can remember back when me and Allie started, my wife started dating, where, you know, we would lose a game. I think we lost a playoff game in Pittsburgh. We got made, maybe the biggest fight of our relationship because I was an asshole after, after it. We had a two or three touchdown lead at halftime, and I, we lost the game, and I was just totally, like, totally just an asshole. Um, and now, I mean, we were here the other day. It's probably three weeks, two, two weeks ago when the Ravens lost to the Saints. I'm sure you heard of this one. Justin Tucker, our kicker, missed an extra point. Um, and, it, you know, I was doing no humble brag. I was doing push-ups during the game, and he missed the extra point. And kinda, <laughs> like, it took me a second. Like, it took me – I, like, missed, I like, kept, missed track of my set, what number I was on on my push-up, and then kind of like, okay, whatever, went back to it. It totally didn't affect me at all. And he came, he came out for his post-game press conference and started talking about his – how he, he, he's using this as a, as a good example for his son. And, you know, you take, you conquer your problems head on and you don't run away from your problems. And I'm kind of like, okay, like I'm kind of glad he missed that extra point. Like that's the example that I want to see. Like that's a good dude facing his critics and his problems when he just missed a huge kick. That's a really good point. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that, I don't ever missed before. So that was important. Right. Um, also, you said we, referencing the Ravens. That's a little checkpoint on this intervention, just so you know. Oh, you're, you're tracking that. Number four, NFL Sundays used to be what I look forward to, used to, turned on the TV, set up the laptop, and not move until 11 p.m. that night. Nothing else mattered. I distinctly remember yelling slash pleading with my wife, please, please, just one more game, one more game, and I will get my fix. As I read this question, do you start to get the urge to find your Justin Tucker jersey, put it on, watch a game, tune out the world, just one more time, Patrick? One more. Yes, but not for the reason you're thinking about. When, uh, when I lived in Baltimore, there was a bar that whenever the, we go watch the bar, it'd be a, it was a Ravens bar, full, fully packed. And whenever they scored a touchdown, they played the L, is it LMO song, Shots? LMFAO. LMFAO, Shots. And everyone in the bar got free shots. And they would, it wasn't like they handed them out. You got in line. They, they grabbed their liquor bottles and they just turned them upside down and poured them in your mouth. Uh, so from that point, I would love to do that one more time. But to carve out my own little Sunday and watch a Ravens game, I think I'm okay. I'm good. That's good. I do find that I want some time, maybe when the Braves are in the playoffs this time, I was like, just give me an hour. It's the sixth <laughs> inning. Just give me an hour. So are you a casual NFLer? I think you've answered this already, but my questions kind of keep going in this way. Do you prefer to be alone in your consumption? Do you lash out at others, or are you a social during your intake? Of, of watching the NFL? Yeah, you can see how these questions are designed to... Yeah, that's like five questions there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd say casual, so, social casual. Um, when I say that is I would prefer to be around people, watch it, have a conversation during it. Uh, you know, I can, I can definitely throw it on, throw it on in the background. If I got everything done at night, sit down and, and check it out, watch it. Um, but like, like I kind of explained it earlier, I, I do always, one, one way or another, kind of know exactly what's going on, like who did what. I don't know if it's from my fantasy team or the socials. It's kind of just, you know, I wake up and have sports center on every morning. So, you know, Monday mornings, you kind of see, you kind of see what's going on. Um, so, yeah, so, social casual. I prefer to watch it with some friends, with some buddies. Um, That's good. That's probably healthier than – I had a couple friends that would just have to go, all right, team's on, see ya, I got to go watch, like, alone, you know. And I don't know if that was the healthy. And that, I mean, that, that might have been me. That might – yeah, I mean, I, I definitely got some buddies that used to be like that. I don't know if they all like that anymore. But, I, I mean, I can see that. You know, you got your lucky spot. I got to stand here the whole time. Uh no, that I mean I'm no social casual. Two more questions. Do you ever tell yourself you can stop watching at any time that you want to? 
even though there is a game on currently on your TV and you are wearing a Ravens jersey and purple camouflage pants? One, if we go back to the Super Bowl, I will wear those again. We. We. I keep that twice now. Um, yeah, I, 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 cannot, I can not put one on. Does that make sense? Is that a sentence? Um, yeah. I have no problem not, not watching a game if, for, for whatever reason. The second Ravens game of the year was on a Thursday nighter in Cincinnati, uh, NFL Network, and I didn't find out until kickoff. I remember I was to put it on. We didn't have the channel, and I remember not being upset about it, Dave. Oh, that's a huge breakthrough in this. That was that was big. Yeah, well, I remember not being upset about it. Kind of, I put on, I pulled up my ESPN.com, kind of put on the GameCast, but then I, um, I think I put on a Seinfeld rerun and watched it on GameCast. Oh, Seinfeld. And it, it, well, I I was in my Justin Tucker jersey, so. I knew you had one. <laughs> Last question: Have you enjoyed life without the NFL? Do you feel a pull on your heart to come back? What is your motivating reason to kick this habit? That's a deep one. I'm not trying to kick the habit. But you've kind of kicked the habit. Based on our conversation today, you have kicked the habit. Okay. I've lost the the intense side of it. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, By the way, you've answered all these questions, and I just had them written down in this way, so sorry. They just kind of are written. I know. I probably answered them all in number one. I forget the question again. Uh, do I do I get the urge to go back to it? Yeah, I mean, what is your motivating reason to kick this habit? But you kind of already have. What? Well, yeah, yeah what motivating reason? Family and deteriorating product. You know, product. You know, family time is way more important than any sport, uh, especially the NFL right now. And it's you know we touched this a couple times deteriorating product. Like I don't want to get fully invested in something to know I can get screwed out of it for for a rule I don't understand in the fourth quarter. That's the truth. Yeah, I mean it's very very hard to get over that hump with the NFL. Right, right. You survived. You well, survived my intervention. Well, you need to tell me if I need to get rid to give it up or not. No, you've you've opened my eyes to being able to watch it and not care. Although you do reference the Ravens as we, I think that's just a tick that you've had over the years. And I think I've done that with the Braves. But other than that one, I think you're healthy. I can diagnose you as a podcaster and stay-at-home father. I can diagnose you as healthy. I'll take that. It's, it, I think the, the, if you take anything out of this intervention, David, do push-ups during your football game. I did it. Okay. I had to. Let me just, this is about me now. <laughs> the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. I had this weird feeling the hour leading up to the Super Bowl. I've never felt this way. And I, even if the Braves make the World Series, I wonder if I'll have that same feeling. But I had this, like, scary anxiety. I was doing push-ups pre-Super Bowl because of this feeling. I don't know what it was. I, maybe because the, the Eagles had never won, and... Maybe that was part of it, and I was—I I didn't even watch the season. It's a weird day, but I get the push-up thing. You need them. I need them more than ever right now. <laughs> what did my kid do today? And I'm asking myself because I'm going to lead it off. Harrison, my youngest, just turned one in October this month, October first. He's really good at emptying every toy out of the basket. Now, we did, let me see, he emptied the entire basket of toys. Now, probably 100 toys in this basket, give or take 20. But the eighth day straight, he's just sat there, taking them out, making eye contact with me the entire time. I have to respect that. I have to, I mean, he knows what the word no means right now. And he's doing this a lot where he'll be like, all right, yeah, I know what that means. Just going to keep doing what I want anyway. What are you going to do about it? He's always in the kitchen with me pulling on pans and stoves, opening drawers, like, and just staring at me. Like, I don't know if I should be excited that he's just going to be a rebel and not care what authority says to him. Or should I be scared that he's making so much eye contact with me? Now, Emery, my oldest 
Yesterday, she told me she will never cry again. Not ever. She cried later that day and today. So, Emery, you are a liar. <laughs> what did your kids do today? Well, it must have been a good uh, two hours that you, you had of non-crying out of uh, Emery. <laughs> yes, it was a fine two hours. Now, just to give you a, a heads up, I gave, I gave a kind of quiet golf laugh during the Harrison story and verbal bellow during the uh, Emery story. <laughs> now, I, I'm taking notes. Okay, this is how I get Patrick away. Uh, our son, 10 months old. Uh, he's waving now at everything. Oh, nice. Waving machine. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he gets it yet, but he waves, and it's absolutely hilarious. He's so proud of himself when he does it. Uh, but yeah, he does it at the wrong times, but he's waving. And a big shout-out to our daughter. Uh, at preschool, she was selected as the door holder this week. Um, so golf clap to her being the door holder. Now, this is a prestigious award that everyone in the class will receive but i don't care it's her turn this week and she's going to be fantastic at it she will be the best door holder this week everyone will go through safely and the door will be shut behind them (laughs) award received (laughs) now dave because of the intervention ran kind of long so we're gonna just skip right into sports if that's okay with you um Let's start with some baseball. World Series, Red Sox winning five. Uh, big, any big surprises there, or kind of they 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 kind of seemed destined to win it this year, right? They, I mean, they were clearly the best team in the league. They were. It was um, honestly a hard series to watch, just because it seemed like the Red Sox were just bullying whoever came out of the National League. It just happened to be the Dodgers, and. I mean, you're getting good pitching from even pitchers. Eduardo Rodriguez, he went five innings um, scoreless in, like, game four, I think that was. The 18-inning game where you thought, okay, maybe the Dodgers, because they won that game, drained the Red Sox pitching. Maybe game four could, you know, Dodgers find a way to win that. 2-2, one more in L.A., but Red Sox proved too much. Um, their batting, their hitting is just so good. But I do find it's very hard to watch probably American League in general for me. But Red Sox were long-ass games. Um, I, I was talking to you about this through text during these games. But it's very hard. Like, I remember timing the one. We were in game one. It was like two hours in, and it was only the fifth inning. Top five. So I found that hard to watch, especially when it was like 8.09 starts. Uh, probably just saying how old and whiny I am by now, but. It's hard to stay up for these games, especially. I mean, the eighteen inning game was out of this world, but right. That's, yeah, they 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 play some long baseball games. Do do you get into at what point? At what point, David's analytics have to take a back seat? With some of the Dodgers losing, I'm you know Joe Nobody when it comes to sports knowledge, especially baseball knowledge. Sorry, we got don't we're dog sitting, so we got a bellower in the background. Um, but but at what point? I mean, the Dodgers didn't play three of their better players because the numbers told them not to. Yeah, it was weird to see Max Muncie at second base and Brian Dozier basically not playing at all in the World Series, even the playoffs. Really, um, dude hits like thirty-five homers a year. So I didn't even know Max Muncie was that athletic to play second base. So maybe that's kudos to Dave Roberts that he could do it. But where I get upset with the analytics is. Dave Roberts taking – there's two two instances. David Freeze was two for three with a home run and a double. I forget what game this was. But he takes him out in the sixth inning and replaces him with, I think it was Muncie, who ended up getting out, who was like 0 for the series. And you have a guy who's hot right now, two for three, and he's known as being a very good playoff batter, player, David Freeze, dating back to his Cardinal days. I just don't see that move – like, let it go. Let it play. Like, I was giving Dave Roberts some love by letting Bueller go out there for um, the seventh. Yes, the seventh. So he was six innings and it was a pre- in game. It's game thirty. It's the eighteen inning game. Yes. Yeah. So this is the issue. We were talking seven innings. He lets them pitch. I was ecstatic, and he mowed them down. He had no trouble, and he was at one oh seven. 
but for some reason, which I argue with my father-in-law about, like he, we're on the same side on this. This hundred pitch is like a what's the word phantom limit. Who's to say that's? I mean, I'm sure there's data that shows, but in the playoffs, when it's your last hope, and you bring in Kenley Kenley Jansen for a two-out save, who has not, or a two-inning save, uh, who has not been the Jansen we know this year, and he blows it right in the eighth. Well, I mean, you can look at the exact opposite side of that thing, Dave. I mean, arguing your point, um, not only is the 100, that 100 pitch limit, you, you know, like you said, it's phantom, it's kind of made up, but Bueller was hot, he was pitching well, at least let him go to get them in a little bit of trouble. But on, to what you were saying, not only has Jansen not been good this year, Jansen's never done a six-out save. So why does Jansen's six-out save trump Bueller at 100 pitches? Like, they're both, you're looking at two things that are, you know, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so he called on Jansen to do that when he's never done it, and it's a World Series game. Right, and then he's saying that was his better option than pitching Bueller, who had been pitching lights out for one more inning. It, it, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't get how that decision is. And aren't there other pitchers? Like, you don't have to have Jansen two innings. Like, if you wanted to bring Or, Ma- or Madsen. Like, you have a setup guy for the eighth. Like, it, that was just a mind-boggling decision because Bueller – who I'm a huge fan of Bueller now, he was so good to take him out, even though he's at 107. Just let him walk a guy, get a hit, give up a hit, then bring in Jansen. But anyway. Even Rich Hill in game, uh, in game four. Rich, Rich Hill pitched great in game four. Was it five? Game five. Uh, four, because it was after the – He went six or seven, right? And they yanked him like at the end of an inning that was kind of like, okay, he was pitching – like, it seemed like he could have went one more. Yeah, I think he only had given up two hits. And, and he, like I mean, 80. I don't know what's more hurting on the elbow, but those junk ballers, I wouldn't think that's as tough on the elbow as throwing 99, right? No, I mean, you're right. Bueller touches 99. Hill, yeah. barely 90. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but changing gears a little bit, David, do we, I think we owe a shout-out to the number 10 in the nation, Washington State Cougars out of Pullman, Washington. Let's go, Cougars! How about that? In, in, uh, in back-to-back weeks, knock off the Oregon fighting ducks at home and then go on the road to Stanford and knock off a top-15 team in Stanford. Took a couple good weeks. They got uh, – we've talked to them before. They got big game versus Cal coming up this weekend. But, yeah, Washington State creeping in the top-10. Yeah, that's very good. Especially, it's a very interesting story. Last year with Falk or Falk, who was their quarterback? Uh, Luke Falk. Yep. So he, they were projected to do this last year, I thought. Right. And then, I thought this year was with the tragedy of their quarterback shooting himself, mm-hmm. and then losing Falk to the NFL or draft or whatever. They did. They got Gardner Minshew, who was the starter at ECU, which is such a crazy link for us um and now he's a heisman candidate over there when he was basically getting chewed up under the dismal offensive line here at ecu anyway what a story because now they're number 10 who they even lose to uh they lost earlier in the season i, I forget who it was to. i think it might did they beat usc or did they lose to usc it was usc yep it okay. was USC. Yep, that was the game they lost. Just such a good – I mean, we're pulling for him hard because of our guy. Yeah, we don't, We got a guy there. It's our buddy. <laughs> um, but, no, they're, 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 they're obviously a fun team to watch. They got a great offense. Um, they win shootouts. It's what, it's what they do. Yeah, the old ECU way. <laughs> the old ECU way. You got to love it. Uh, um, one more thing I wanted to touch on, Dave. Uh, you're a big NBA guy. Did you see the Golden State Warriors in the first half versus the Bulls the other night score 92 points? Oh, my God, no. Are you serious? In the first half, yeah. Would they end? How about that defense? <laughs> Who I think can't name it? Was, uh, one, they scored in the 140s, I think, was the final. 140-something. 92 in the first half. Are you there? Sorry. I, I can't name one Chicago Bull. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can. Um, but wow, that that's bad. Happy. That that means you shouldn't watch that sport. Why? Why? What the hell? There's not even competition. What is that? Warriors win again. <laughs> Although every time you're watching something on ESPN uh, at a normal hour, and which isn't often for me, 
but you do get an update that LeBron James is playing later. I don't know if you caught on to this. They're really, really marketing him pretty heavy to stay up late and watch LeBron James play basketball. Um, yeah, I, wonder, I wonder how that's working out for him. People are actually doing it or not. I can't say, like, physically. People that work and get up in the morning, they can't, at least the East Coast. I mean. Right. Now, I'm, I'm not an NBA guy by any means, but I feel like I used to – you couldn't not know LeBron James. I mean, not the name, obviously, but, like, how he did the night before. Like, just, like, his stat line, you know, triple-double after triple-double. Um, I feel like when he was on Cleveland and Miami, I would – just one way or another, find out how he did the night before. Yeah. And, like, I legit I, – I don't even know how the Lakers are doing. I don't know how he's doing. I have no idea how how, uh, how he's doing out West. Yeah. I'm not saying if that's a lot of – like, again, I'm, not, I'm by no means an NBA fan. I have no idea how the Lakers are. I have no idea how he's doing out there. Um, I don't know. I, I just think from a – I mean, not it's not his mistake. Obviously, going to Lakers is fantastic. But from a, like, NBA – PR move. I don't see how this is a winner. I don't think. I, I don't think. I just think in general, West Coast doesn't get as much attention as East Coast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Golden State would be the team that you'd care about with the West Coast, but that's only in playoff time because I don't really watch. I mean, I don't. I'm not a good subject for this talk, but I will say that I care less about LeBron James right now than I did last year. Well, there you go. So from ne- uh, zero to negative one. <laughs> yeah, I am now caring more about the WNBA. I'm going to leave it with this, last thing. Um, so the Cleveland Browns fired their coach. Uh, the, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. Again. Hugh Jackson, gone. Um, rumored, one of some of the, the pop-up on the, the, the small rumblings in the coaching world, Lincoln Riley might be getting ties to Cleveland. Oh, uh, no. I saw him tweet out and say, no, I love Oklahoma. Yeah, of course he's going to say that in the middle of the season. Uh, he has to. But just know that that's out there. Small world, huh? Yeah. 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 Um, you got anything else? No. Tapped out. Tapped out. That was a good one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, if you're still listening, to Concept from Less Than Qualified Fathers. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please give us a follow on Spotify. We also have an Instagram account, at Less Than Qualified Fathers. Um, we put up our uh, podcast on there as well, put up some funny pictures throughout the day. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. Dave, again, I think that was a good one. Yeah, I feel good about it, and let's get back on track for all of our three viewers. I like it. All right, have a good night. <laughs> Likewise.